This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I am Tara Carter from Clovis, New Mexico, and you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for July 25th, episode 1746. This episode is brought to you by Horseware. Good morning, Horse World. Good Tuesday morning to you, and I do mean a good Tuesday morning. Well, if you insist on being accurate about it. You know, only somebody with perfect comedic timing could produce this much energy in one shot. You gotta learn that your time in the saddle ain't as rough as the life in between. And the fence isn't there for you to straddle. And you can't change horses in the middle of your dream. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us on this Tuesday morning. And, of course, Tara is here. She is the host of the Western episode once a month. And when Tara is here, it means the month's almost over. Yeah. (laughs) Your mortgage and rent are due right now. That's that's right. Get them in early. (laughs) That's pretty much what it means when Tara's here. I go, oh, I got to pay the rent. (laughs) So, Tara, you're, you're traveling today just to go to the doctor. Just to go to the doctor. Yes, we our kids have pediatrician appointments today, and we come over to Lubbock, which is about an hour and a half drive, but we do a time zone change. So in some ways, I got to sleep in a little bit before the show today. Oh, yeah. You got an extra yeah. hour. Except for That's the kids, right. when we called her for the meeting, it was yeah. loud. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they Well, because there was the cart in the hotel room, and they all got to climb on that to go out down to the... <laughs> I got the so, play. Yeah, that's kind of got to ride fun. the horse down to the lobby. Pretty much. <laughs> you know, one of the things that I think is required when you're a horse person, whether you're English or Western, but if you have a horse, at some time in your life, you're going to end up in a parade, right? Even if it's a local parade in your little town, it's a Halloween parade. At some time in your life, you're going to end up in a parade. I assume you've been in a few parades. I have. Yes, I have. I thought so. I thought. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and we have two, some successfully, some not so much. Um, <laughs> but Swiss researchers recently determined through a, a scientific study uh, testing the stress parameters in horses. And this is like rigging them up and testing their stress levels uh, during different activities. They determined that Horses participating in public parades don't differ significantly from the from the stress caused by minor pain or short, short-term separation from their friends. So, in other words, they determined that really parades don't stress horses out a whole lot. You know, I think that's an interesting comparison. Short-term separation from their pins. I have seen plenty of horses, or their part, their buddies. I have seen plenty of horses lose have it. Total meltdowns, right? <laughs> Yeah, like I'm, I'm pretty sure that that stress. Like, I, I'd like to see a, a third comparison, <laughs> a third option. <laughs> yeah, compared to what, like eating hay, compared to <laughs> <laughs> right, a, diff- a, a different nice kind day of stressor. In the field. <laughs> 
I mean, that's probably one of the biggest challenges for a lot of horses. So this is interesting um, too. Contrary to popular belief, public manifestations involving horses walking through large crowds and even galloping in groups around bonfires. Now, why the heck they did they did that one? I don't know. Don't seem to be a major source of stress that could be considered a to compromise welfare. Okay. Oh, so it was more of this kind of a is it? Yeah. yeah. Furthermore, she added, very, a very mild sedation had little effect on stress parameters and horses sedated for the event. Okay, this is a woman who's not a horse person and has never had to sedate her horse to do anything. <laughs> 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 yeah. I'm not sure know. about I... this study, to be honest, because we we uh, we had a couple unsuccessful times at that <laughs> show at parades where the horses were pretty stressed. Yes, yeah. for sure. Yeah, I I remember riding in a parade next to a girl, and she just kept saying, "Yeah, we aced him, but he's just not calming down at all." And I thought, I don't think that horse ever calms down, but it was a difference. <laughs> exactly. I, don't, I don't know that it was parade induced. <laughs> yeah, or it should have been even in the parade, probably. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I know in our one case, we should not have been in the parade. <laughs> it was probably yeah. a bad move. You know what What I have a huge respect for is driving horses in in parades. Yeah, that's the one time we had to bail out. Um, yeah. We actually had to cut down a side street because the, the horses in the front were rearing, and that was oh. scaring the children. So <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was scaring us, too. <laughs> So we we bailed out. You know, I think there's just, I think that the other thing, too, you'd have to do a really large study, and you'd have to put them in groups. Horses that are stressed about anything, and then horses that are calm about anything, and I think you're going to find the calm (laughs) ones are going to be calmer in a parade, and the stressed ones are going to be stressed. We didn't have, we could have bought, they could have given us the money for this study, and we we could have just cashed the check. And I was wondering, like, if you if you led a horse through a parade or if you rode a horse through with a calm rider or a nervous rider, that would make a difference, I would think. Yeah, I think the rider makes a, a big difference, actually. Yeah. Who was it we yeah. talked to the other day, Jennifer, that was in the Rose Bowl parade in a carriage and had to bail out? Um, and, and they were not happy. <laughs> they were not happy with her. No. Because it's apparently there's only like three or four places yeah. where they allow you to bail out, where there's actually room to bail out. She had to go down a side street and then the... <laughs> What's a mess? Oh my! <laughs> Once you're in, you're in. When it comes to the Rose Bowl, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, Jennifer, what's coming up on today's show? Coming up on today's Horseware Western episode with Tarek Carter, horse gal and writer Kathy Moss stops by with some poetic musings. Mid-show, our cowgirl in the kitchen, Jill Stanford, shares a refreshing watermelon recipe with an adults-only variation, yippee. And then after the break, cowboy dressage founder Debbie, founders, plural, Debbie and Aiden Halkamy stop by. So stay tuned for the fray, folks. Yeah, I don't know. We It's been a long time. They've been on one of our shows, I think, in the past, uh, Aiden has, and, and but it's been years. So I'm glad you got them to come on today. Before we get to our daily winnies, we wanted to just give our thoughts and prayers to everybody dealing with massive wildfires right now. There is blazes in many states. Montana, uh, Montana, I know they've lost a lot of livestock up there, a lot of cows, um, and has has spread across roads and rivers and man-made fire lines. Actually, crews and equipment, firefighters from 34 states have descended upon Montana, and... uh, reinforcements came from as far as Alaska to Florida that those fires in Montana have now burned 353 square miles 
of land. So they're needing help. Also, Colorado has fires. Nevada has fires. Karen Chatner, host of the Endurance Show, can actually see the fires coming down the mountains from her place in western Nevada. Uh, more than 100 horses are residing at evacuation sites in the wake of a wildfire that destroyed their pastures and polluted the air near Yosemite National Park in California. Fire That fire has consumed 75,000 acres and is just 30% contained. And I know that many animals have been evacuated out of that, including mules, sheep, goats, llamas, horses, uh, all kinds of animals out of that particular fire, and they're not getting back anytime soon. And then on the opposite end of the country, we have massive flooding. We have our auditors posting pictures of their barns being flooded out, and it's just a mess right now. So our, our thoughts and prayers are with all of you dealing with whatever. It's hard for us that live—you're you're in a very dry part, but it's hard for us to, that live in Florida where we get one to three inches of rain a day uh, to even think about it being dry anywhere. <laughs> you know? yeah. Um, yeah. And I think the people being flooded out right now are in the same boat. So, uh, uh, you know, our thoughts and prayers to everybody. It's tough well, and you guys, like your your weekly rainfall averages our yearly rainfall, probably, which is, ama- <laughs> probably it, which our, is amazing. We had five inches the other day in an hour and a half. It oh just comes down. Now here, the difference is it just sinks in, and we don't get the flooding uh, because it just absorbs. It, we can have five inches of rain in an hour and a half, and within two hours, all the puddles are gone. There's just nothing. You wouldn't even know it rained. So that's the big difference. Uh, Definitely whereas, not yeah. like that here. No. <laughs> You'd find ne- inches of Nevada. rain be flooding yeah. everywhere. <laughs> yeah. All right. Daily Winnie time. I have a happy birthday to one of our great listeners, been listening for a long time, Fiona Deering. Happy birthday to you. And my daily Winnie is going to go out to Trevor because he has all three kids at the doctor this morning while I'm here in the hotel (laughs) doing a radio show. (laughs) How mad was he at you, by the way? Yeah. Was he mad? No. No? Okay. No, not at all. <laughs> Just check. Uh, and <laughs> Just, we've got we've got we have a dentist appointment and the pediatrician appointment, so he's juggling all of those at the moment. So. Uh, <laughs> Bless yeah. him. He deserves a medal <laughs> or an award or something. <laughs> you know, you said something before the show that I didn't know about you. You know how you ask those questions, what's something you don't know about somebody? Well yes. that you went to DC as an intern. You were a political intern? Yes. Yeah, I did a an internship for Congressman Tom Udall. Um, he's a senator now, but was a congressman then. So, what was yeah, that it was like? Fun. Talk about culture shock coming from <laughs> from the country to Washington D.C. Yeah. for six months. Well, I had a, I had a really strong interest. I mean, actually, I had a really strong interest in politics until I lived in D.C. And then I thought this is not for me, <laughs> mostly because of the. Mostly because it was a career type deal. It was I. I never realized that so many people chose to be a politician as a career rather than get in, do some help, get out. Yeah. So, which I think is the way that, it was originally meant to be. Was get right, in, do some help, and get yeah, out, go back to your business. So yeah. it it amazed me, but uh, and you learn a lot of interesting things. You know, like what blows me away is some of the speeches that I would hear people give. Like there's an 18 year old intern behind there writing a speech and just things like that. It was are pretty interesting to 
pretty interesting to see. But I actually love DC. I think it's a really fun, a fun city, and it's young, and there's so much to do, and lots of culture. And anyway, I I love DC, but I wouldn't. I, I chose I chose that uh, politics was not for me. It was definitely solidified. I was going the horse route. <laughs> now, did you while you were there visit every museum and see everything you could possibly see? I tried to. I yeah. really did try to. Yeah, I I really enjoyed the Smithsonian's and and there's I'm trying to think, you know, movies on the mall and stuff like that. So there's just so much to do. And everybody lives in the dorms or at least everyone that I was around, we lived in the dorms. You know, when everyone's gone for the summertime, then you could rent those out basically or rent apartments out on. So it's just really young and a lot of people were my same age, same interests, and we just had a lot of fun. So, you know, that's pretty cool too. The one thing that cities do have, are, and none of us would give up living in the country at our farms, right? But the one thing yeah. that the cities do have is restaurants and food. Ah, oh, just yes. the, the best restaurants and food, right? Well, and just activities that gets everybody together, even for kids. That's one thing I'm noticing now with kids is. You know, we're going to have this thing at the park. We're bringing this person in and you're going to learn about building dream catchers or something like that. So, you know, it's just a, a fun activity that somebody coordinated to get everybody together. And so. Yeah. Very cool. Well, I, I, it's interesting that you got to do that. I didn't know that about yeah, you. I did. Yeah. Cool. Well, we have our first guest coming on now. She's an author. She's a poet. Uh, she she is friends with one of our regular guests, Jill Stanford, who's going to be coming up next, our own cowgirl in the kitchen. And she has just uh, completed her latest novel trilogy, Unspoken. And we're going to talk to her about uh, some other things she has going on, including Joey. So good morning, Kathy. <laughs> good morning. How the heck are you guys? Good. Thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> good morning, Kathy. Oh, yeah. What a treat. Well, what have, a treat. Good morning, Tara. Have you heard your friend Jill on the show before? I have. You know, she got me on you guys, and, and I've been listening to you guys pretty much every morning. My husband looks at me and rolls his eyes, and it's like, yep, this is my coffee time. Excuse me. You go ahead and go do your thing. Yay! We're glad about that. Thank you very much for listening, and and, and we think we caused that in a lot of husbands, actually. So. <laughs> yeah, what is with that? We're, we're so proud. I think proud. you'd get a really good kick out of you guys. You know what? A lot of husbands do listen. Even, you know, we get a lot of listeners that don't even have horses, but they just enjoy, you know, they enjoy the horse lifestyle, and they, they like to have fun in the morning, so we're glad they do. Yeah, yeah. Have you written a poem about us yet? Well, that's what I. You know, I've been thinking about that, so uh, don't don't be surprised. Well, I'm going to give you the opportunity because I, I, this is a perfect <laughs> opportunity to mention that we are starting, and and the announcement will be tomorrow. Equestrians Got Talent over on the Stable Scoop Show for the month of uh, August. We're going to be doing Equestrians mm -hmm. Got Talent, where people are submitting hey. songs or poetry, or and hosts can do it. By the way, Tara. Hosts are encouraged okay. to participate, and you know we'll have a prize at the end of the oh, month, good, and, yeah. and you'll be able to say that you're the most talented equestrian in the world. So you're going to have to write one oh, about us goodness. and submit it. Oh, do I have to put your names in it, or can we just use characters? Hey, you can use whatever you would like, hmm. uh, but let me tell you what, <laughs> I think your chances of winning if you used yes. our names are probably greater. So I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, <laughs> Okay, now your name is spelled G L. 
That's yeah. correct. <laughs> That's correct. You Pronunci- got it. Pronunciation is key, not not spelling. And it's T A R A. That's <laughs> just J E N N. Actually, had a, a poem written about me. Actually, yeah. My we have a vet in our town that does cowboy poetry. Les Morrow. I don't know if you've heard of him, Kathy. Uh, but he does poetry, and my parents had him write a poem about me for like my 12th or 13th birthday, and it talks about my yeah. horse Skipper, the show Ring Ripper, and all kinds of fun stuff. So, <laughs> hey, you'll have to read <laughs> well, that. I'm just for trying me. to think what would rhyme with Glenn. Yeah, not much. Yeah. <laughs> not much. Win, <laughs> Glenn. Win, win, win. Yeah, close. Oh. Tara, you're gonna oh, have look to at read. You. You, look at you go. Yeah. Dang, you we'll, guys are awesome at this. We'll have it written before you're done here at this show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> I'm trying to ride as fast as I can. Keep going. You're doing great. <laughs> Tara, you're going to have to submit that poem. Read it. Do a dramatic reading of your poem for the contest. Oh, yeah. That'll okay, be perfect. Put music to it. To it yeah. You know? Well, anyway, that's not why Kathy called today at all. Actually. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kathy, you, well, tell us about the trilogy. Yes. For those that don't know. Okay. Um, Unspoken, I started that back in 96. I did not even have any idea how to type. Um, I graduated from high school anticipating to be a horse trainer, doing buckaroo stuff, um, that type of deal. Um, No intention whatsoever of writing or anything like that. But a pen always ended up in my hand. So in 96, um, my husband was pretty sick, and so at nighttime, when I couldn't sleep, I'd start writing, and I ended up writing this story. At that time, the horse whisperer was really pretty hot, and the vocabulary of um, the horse world, or in my, in my remote area of Oregon. And it really frustrated me, because I could not understand what a person could whisper to a horse that, that a horse would understand. In my world... You listen to what the horse has to say and adjust yourself to that horse. So with that said, this story started becoming more and more. But what really sucked about it <clears throat> was every time I reread, I would see something I needed to change. So I had to rewrite the whole dang page all over again. So I had pages strung all over heck. So I started taking night classes. And learning how to type and learning how to spell and do punctuation. So I did some college courses over online. With that said, Unspoken started coming together. When I finished the first book, 2015, a feller came up to me and he said, you know, he said, you inspired me to do this. I have a gift for you. And I thought, well, that's pretty cool. And he walked out and he handed me his first novel. I had no intention, and I never thought in a million wor- in a million years that anybody would ever want to read the story I had written. So he had my first, his first novel, and he said, "You inspired me to do this." And he said, "If you're ever wanting to print, he says, you let me know." And I thought, "Holy cats!" And I was so honored. Two days later. <clears throat> gal that was going to AA meetings over in Baker, which is 80 miles from us. And she called me up. I hadn't talked to her in in probably four years. And I had went to AA meetings with her and then I'd drive back 80 miles and be done with it. And it was not a big deal. But with that said, she called me out of the blue 
And she says, Kathy, I have to tell you, I printed my first book, she said, and your name needs to be in this book. She says, you inspired me so much. And I thought, holy cow, if I'm inspiring all these people, I better better at least put this book together. So anyway, so that came my first print. When they were, I entered a 72-hour novel competition because I wanted to see how many pages I could write in 72 hours. In the competition, it's a world competition, um, you've got to write at least 100 pages in 72 hours. So I went down <clears throat> down to the desert to my girlfriend's house, and there's a, what they call a wee house down there. No internet, no TV, no <clears throat> no telephone, just you, your paper, you know, your computer. And, and so I wrote for 72 hours. Ended up being two pages short of the competition, but it inspired the second book called Finding Home. When I did that, um, I finished. it took me another year to finish writing it, so it ended up being a sequel. As the editor was reading the sequel, too, I thought I was done. And she called, and she says, Kathy, when you write your third book in this trilogy, <laughs> I thought, what the heck? She said, would you write about autism and horses? And I said, well, sure. And um, so... That ended up becoming my third novel, which will be out, um, I'm hoping, by the end of this year, called From the Heart. Um, and then that will be the finish of the... But I asked her, I said, why? What is it about autism and horses that make, you know, would inquire you to ask about that? And she said, well, she says, my daughter's six years old. And she says, as I read your books, she says, I, I just so... I'm not a horse person. She says, and I, I just so want to go out and feel a horse. I just so want to feel them breathe. And she says, and I hear that horses are healing, and I wanted to know your perception of that. So with that came um, from the heart, and that's the one that I'm trying to close the characters, and it's the hardest thing I think anybody would ever do is close the characters and be done with them. Yeah, that must be hard as a writer because you're really invested in them, and you're you're killing off or whatever. You know, not they don't always die, but you know what I mean. (laughs) They're going away, right, in one way or another. So they're going away. Yeah, I mean that must be hard to do because they're they become friends by the time you're done. Yes. Well, some of them. You know, and they're and they're so much (laughs) heart and soul, and yeah. Well, there's there's a couple, but with that said. You know, they, they all, the, the Kaysen family is, it's kind of like similar to the Waltons. You know, the Kaysen family is, is like a healing family. The people are drawn. They don't have a shingle hanging over the wall saying, hey, here I am. You know, come, I'll heal you. But people are drawn, and I think this is in life too. People are drawn to the people they need in their life at that moment. And then they, some choose to stay for a while and other people fade in and out and and so that's basically what the Case and family does is is uh, support, help, and move forward. But on top of that, the horses do the same. So you know that's a fascinating statement you just made, that's- and I think Tara probably just picked up on that too. You, people are you know drawn to the people you need in your life at that moment. Uh, you know, I don't want to let that go because it is so true. I mean, the older you get, the more you realize. That. Now Tara's wondering why the hell she met me, but. Uh, beyond that uh you know the older you get the more you do realize that's true right yeah i think yeah i mean it yeah. depends on your beliefs but i think i think we have a there's a plan for your life and and you sort of follow your heart too and 
And but some of those people that come into your life that that are the most important at that moment for whatever reason don't always stay. I mean, they come and go, but in that moment at that time, they, mm-hmm. whether it's a day or you were friends with them for a year or they just helped you out, you know, when you saw them once, it, it was there for that for that moment. It was the, for sure. they were the most important yeah. person in your life. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and you know what's yeah. interesting and it doesn't have to be a friend. Even somebody that resists you, when they walk away, you are a different person than when they came. And, you know, that's my imagination, but <clears throat> it seems to work pretty well for me, so I'm okay with it. <laughs> Tara, you need to unplug again. I don't know what's going on with your this morning. We got a problem with our microphone this morning. I think it's the hotel. It jinxed her. Um, <laughs> so now tell us, to, tell us about Joey. Joey. Oh, my baby boy. Um, about six months ago, well, I used to take and uh, load horses for people in trailers that are having an issue. And so I got kind of pretty well known about handling horses and stuff. And I do a lot of rescues, uh, uh, support a lot of rescues. I don't do the rescuing itself, but I support a lot of rescues. With that said, a gal had rescued a Mustang out of the Warm Springs herd, um, about seven years ago, <clears throat> and she was getting ready to move. Her health kind of changed in a different direction, and here she had this Mustang in her one-and-a-half-acre pasture, <clears throat> and she um, didn't couldn't catch him. It would take her 45 minutes to an hour to catch this little guy, and he's, he's about a Welsh-sized guy. Um, his head's bigger or longer than his legs are. So he's, he's just one of those characters that you just have to love. When we sat out, she asked me if I'd take him or if I would at least help catch him. And so I went out and we sat there for about 10 minutes looking at him. And here you have these juniper trees and it's, the wind is blowing, it's raining. And he's just like a deer. And he's about 75 yards from us. And he sticks his head underneath that juniper tree and he's looking at us. And I mean, he's just stone still just waiting for us to go away. He doesn't exist. And I thought, well, if he's not going to move or adjust himself in any way, shape, or form, I'm going to shake things up because I wanted to get a good analysis of where he was going to go. So I opened up the gate, and when I opened the gate, he literally bounced off a barbed wire fence. <clears throat> and he took across, took off across the the pasture. And at that point, I knew he had made a commitment in his life that never again. And I was not in a position at that time to take on another horse, you know, because it's, it's, a, it's a huge commitment, you know, for especially a lifetime thing. And I don't sell too many horses that I have. With that said, I looked at him and I knew and I made a promise to him. You're right. Never again. So from that point on, I took and I would not put a lead line or a halter or anything on him until I had him following me wherever I wanted to go. So, and I thought it was pretty interesting because it was snowing and it was pretty slick and stuff like that. And I thought, you know, I want this story to be told. So I grabbed my little phone and I started, the day I went out there and I presented myself in a way that he could kind of have an idea that I might be all right. And so I videoed very sadly, very bad footage and I posted it on Facebook. So Joey's journey is out there for, and you can watch from day two 
on of the things I've done with this little guy. Anyways, on the fourth day, he allowed me to touch him. And on the ninth day, um, he was following me. And I could do anything with him. I literally, um, when uh, the day that I decided that he was going to go home with me, um, it was a pretty big anticipation on loading him in the trailer, and I had no idea. You know, I figured it would probably be about a 45-minute process. And that little horse took one look at me, and he looked at that trailer, and he looked at me, and I, he stopped at the, the end of it, and he kind of thought for a second, and I led him away, and I turned around, and that little horse walked into that trailer that fast. Hmm. And I thought, okay. So I let him out. I turned him around. And he hesitated at the end of the trailer. I gave him a kiss cue, and that little feller absolutely stepped in the trailer. And you guys talked yesterday about Mustangs and giving their heart. When they are committed to you, yes, sir, they are committed. And he just figured that, all right, I'm going to give my life to this gal, and whatever she asks of me, I will, I will attempt. And I just pray to God that I never put him in a position where he ever has to face struggle on a physical, well, his was more of an emotional. Because when I started with him, Glenn, <clears throat> he was so so scared of attempting or trying anything, he would bust. I mean, he would blow out. And he would circle back around and he'd come back and he's like, okay, I got this, I got this, I got this. And he'd blow out again. And so my reaction for him was security. So I didn't even move. You know, I just let him blow and let him blow. Um, with that said, I brought him home and played with him, and now my nephews come over and they play with him, and and it's a pretty amazing thing. But my commitment, he he is what I needed because of an accident that happened about 17 years ago, and he he brought me back into the horse world on a on a whole new level. Well, so. it's not always people that come into your life when you need them, right? It's mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's critters too. No, sir. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> well, and you can follow that. You can see that at Joey's yeah. Journey. We'll post a link to that on our Facebook page as well. But we're not letting you get out of here because, you know, Jill, she's going to be chomping at the bit to do a recipe here soon. Um, so, and Yeah, cheers, Jill. <laughs> but we're not letting you get out of here because you're also a poet. And I realize you're going to enter the competition with a poem about Tara, Jennifer, and I. But um, do you have a poem that you could do for us? No pressure. I do. You know how your publisher called and said you're doing book uh, three? I, I know. Well, I I just challenged you to the competition, so. Uh. <laughs> you're on. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the things out here, there's about 7,000 people in our county. Our county is the largest county here in, in Oregon. Mm-hmm. But there's about 7,000 people. We have one stoplight. So it, the the space out here is pretty incredible. Um, we have a ranch called the Crown Ranch, and um, it's it's fairly large. But he has 35 head of horses that they call a cavy. I went ahead and called it a remuda, which is usually down in the Texas country, but this is uh, called jinglers. And the way they find their horses is they'll put a bell on one horse, and usually it's a mare. And the cavy is usually all gildings, so the gildings will hang around that that bell horse so that when the horse, when the, the jingler rides out, he can listen for that bell as they're grazing. You'll hear that bell jing, jingle. And this is called jinglers. Cool. When I was a youngster, I can remember the sound of the jinglers hoofbeats as they hit upon the ground. 
They'd leave in the morning before the dawn of light, listening for the remuda, whose bell jingles in the night. With the night as thick as soup, no moon to show the way, that jingler would have that remuda in by the break of day. So listen for that bell, jingler. Can you hear it ring? Listen for that bell so the remuda home you'll bring. Now I'd lay and listen anxiously as time ticked by for the faintest sound of horses or the wrangler's cry. Then faintly in the darkness, a rumbling thunder sound as their hard hooves hit upon the solid, dusty ground. The thunder grew and louder as closer in they came the mystic rhythm of horses, phantoms with no name. A tingle crawled my spine. It ran clear through. I stared into the darkness to maybe see one or two. Now, I may have left that lifestyle to see what I'd become, but I can still hear the jingler before the break of sun. And I think of them leaving before the dawn of light, listening for the remuda, whose bell jingles in the night. But the night is thick as soup. No moon to show the way that jingler would get the remuda in by the break of day. So listen for that bell, jingler. Can you hear them ring? Listen for that bell for the remuda home you'll bring. May you always hear that bell to tell you where they roam and forever jingle them horses and bring them all home. Yay! <laughs> well done. Yay! And you can picture the scene. I mean, you can just picture it. Now, yeah. I, I actually pictured a little bit of snow in the ground when all of that, I guess because of the bells. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, that was great. <laughs> yeah. I used to jingle horses oh, in the you. summer. Did you? I, so, you I were did, a jingler? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Or oh, it's incredible. I was it's on the crew, yeah. Oh, isn't that funny? Yeah, you see some elk in the morning, and it's cool and fresh, and oh, yeah, it's cool. great. Yes, 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 yes. That's so cool. Yeah, we started, we were gathering up there on top of the hill, and, and uh, the sun was just coming over, and it was about five below zero, snow on the ground, and I mean, there's nothing like it. I mean, it's just that, that time of the morning when everything just seems to be right for that, for mm-hmm. that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. And isn't it true that uh, yeah. that whole gender thing works in four-legged and two-legged? That whole just put one mare and, I and think got so. all the geldings gather around. It's the same too at a bar, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. Same. You know, I'm kind of thinking though. So. Yeah. <laughs> Not bell. by experience, just saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> From observation. <laughs> Kathy, thank yeah. you so much for joining us. What's the website? Where can they get the books? Um, you can go to akmossbooks.com, AK? and you can find all all about me or contact me. And that's akmoss. Akmoss. Yeah, that's uh, alaskakentuckymoss.com is where you can find all of there that information in the books and everything. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a lot of fun, and uh, we'll look forward to your entry in the contest. Thank you. Yeah. All right. You got it. All right. All right take care, guys. Bye bye. <laughs> and I'm looking forward to yours too, Tara. Yeah. Now that I know. <laughs> All right. We're going to head to Jill in just a minute for our recipe of the month uh, from our cowgirl in the kitchen. But first, we have to hear from Amigo. <laughs> Another long, tough fly season is right around the corner. 
And the only choice for this fly season are the Amigo range of fly sheets because they're built tough and feature the latest in design comfort, bug-busting technology, and sun-protecting fabrics. And the Amigo range has a fly sheet for every budget, from the Amigo Bug Buster Vamoose with no fly zone to the Amigo Bug Rug Fly Sheet. Find Amigo Fly Sheets at your local or online retailer, or you can visit horseware.com. That's horseware, H-O-R-S-E-W-A-R-E.com. Well, we're back with Jill Stanford, Cowgirl in the Kitchen, and I actually uh, I got excited about being able to talk to Jill today, and so I went to her Facebook page because she generally po- uh, posts like a little teaser about what she's going to share. So I hadn't received the show notes yet, so I thought, I'm going to see what Jill's talking about tomorrow. And she is talking to us about watermelon ice, so I'm really thrilled to, to hear what she has to say. Welcome back, Jill. Hi, Tara. Good morning to you. Yeah, good morning. What have Isn't you been Kathy up to? Wonderful. She is. I saw some some pictures of that she posted of you guys and working in the pins. Yeah. And, uh, how long have you guys known one another? Uh, Kathy and I haven't known each other terribly long. She's in my book. She to me Western women's view of the of the West through poetry and song. That's how I first met her, oh. and since that book was published a year ago, we've done two big um, uh, book signing and poetry readings together, and I'm telling you what, she is just absolutely a real kick to to work with. She will recite poetry until the cows come home, and <laughs> until they go out again in the morning if you let her. She's just a, she's just a born storyteller in rhyme. It's just wonderful to listen to her. And then that she's the real deal doesn't hurt at all, does it? You know what's That's funny great. is, uh, being an actor, I noticed immediately, and I'm sure Tara did too, when she started the poem, she went immediately into her actor's voice. Did you notice yes, that, Tara? I did. It, it was almost like a completely different voice, a completely different accent. She almost had a little southern accent going there. That's right. Yeah, it was just, it was, I went, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, yeah. and she does, and she she uh, it, she's spellbinding to the audiences that are listening. They you can tell them they just go into another place because her voice and her words take them there. You know, they're on horseback. They are jingling the horses. They are, um, you know, whatever she talks about. She's just she, she's just a kettle of kettle of monkeys. She's or maybe it's a kettle of fish. She's a barrel of monkeys. <laughs> That's it. It's early. It's early. <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed her very much. She's a very good friend of your last month's guest, Joni Harms. Oh, is that right? Wow, it's a small world. In fact, yeah. there is a video that I will put again on my Facebook page. It's my favorite thing. Tara, you can see it, and Glenn, you can see it. Um, it's a poem that was written uh, the lyric was written by Joni Harms, but it also features pictures of Kathy and her very good friend. Uh, well, it's just, it's just beautiful. It's called Long, uh, Long Hard Ride, and I'll put that up, too. I think, you know, not only can she write and talk poetry, she can also put together these wonderful little videos, like the one you saw, Tara, of, you know, out in the pens working. Mm. She's a real treasure, for sure. That's very cool. So, you want to know about watermelon ice? We do. 
I want to okay. know. I want to know before a... we start if you picked <laughs> okay. watermelon ice just to get a jab at me. Well, <laughs> uh, Glenn is referring. Bone, yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I saw that today, and I went. She just rubbing it in. She just. <laughs> I, for those that don't I've know, I've never little... seen anybody cut them. <laughs> well. <laughs> You really, you really did yourself a number, didn't you, Glenn? Well, it's funny you yeah, mentioned that. I'm glad that. you didn't cut your thumb off. It's yeah. funny you mentioned numbers. It's yeah. funny you mentioned <laughs> numbers because uh, for those that don't know, I had a little watermelon accident. The watermelon attacked me, and it cut my thumb all the way down to the bone. And I made a little trip right. to the hospital after Jennifer patched it up. And I literally was in the hospital for about 20 minutes. Uh, they they looked and at him and said, well, Jennifer uh, did a good job. Whatever powder she used on there really <laughs> healed it up. You just need a Band-Aid. They cleaned it up a little. They put a Band-Aid on and gave me a tetanus shot. $1,300. I believe it. I know. <laughs> so, Most expensive watermelon in the world. <laughs> right Isn't it terrible? <laughs> yeah. But the good news is that somebody put you on that fabulous watermelon cutter. I've never seen anything as cool in my life. I have an infomercial for you about that watermelon cutter uh, <laughs> after you're done with your recipe, uh-huh. okay? All right. Okay. All right. Okay, good. Because I am not it could sure doing be that again. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. I certainly hope not. And besides, it's better to go to the hospital if you had a problem with a horse. That way people are very sympathetic and they say, oh, my God, you know, you're just lucky you lived. Um, but yeah. to say that you were just slicing watermelon, I don't yeah. know. That just, yeah, I said to the know, doctor. Not terribly Western. I said to the doctor, I said, <laughs> you, this has to happen a lot, people cutting watermelon and cutting themselves. And he looked at me and laughed and said, nope, not really. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, next time, don't tell them it's watermelon. Tell them it was a rank bronc, you know, and you'll yeah. get a whole lot of sympathy for sure. Yeah, and you grab, grabbed okay, a hold of the barbed recipe. wire. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, oh, good. Tara, that's a good one. Grabbed a hold at the wrong time, and yeah. gee, I got this terrible cut, and they'll think that's just terrible. This, this um, recipe came from a long time ago when I was asked to go over and help with a roundup just outside of Ontario, Oregon. And the only horse I had was a young hunter-jumper I was training. But I thought, gee, this will be a good experience for him. And it was. It was a little hair-raising at times, but um, I really enjoyed uh, doing that. It was, I've never, never done it before. And it was a whole lot of fun. I don't think Toon was any help at all, but he, you know, he tried, he tried. But during the lunch break, <laughs> he's great at you know, they bring now. food. The, <laughs> he's, he's oh yeah. Cows, well, yeah. He, he wanted to jump out of the corral when he saw all those <laughs> cattle milling around and everything. His eyes were just out on stocks, but I'm here to tell you, he went back to Portland um, he was a made horse by the time we finished that he'd seen everything. But during the lunch break, um, you know, they bring food out because um, it is it's very hot and dusty out there in Ontario. And what the woman had done was she had made, they were like um, grown up slushies. Uh, she had <laughs> mashed up and frozen watermelon and she'd put corn syrup into it. So it was sweet. And she, uh, ladled that into tin cups, and the tin cup keeps it nice and cold, too. And I just thought that was the most refreshing thing I'd ever had in my life. So I wanted to sort of work on that recipe a little bit and make really grown-up watermelon ice slushies. 
So what you're going to need is two cups of diced and seeded watermelon, and don't ask Glenn to do that part. <laughs> no, but now you can, so we'll talk about that. <laughs> but yeah, he's, got, he's got that cool thing. Yeah, I, I think yeah. he could really do it pretty quick, too. One cup of light corn syrup. Now, somebody took me to task on this, and they said, well, the corn syrup, you know, that's high fructose. You should probably use agave. You know, I did some research on that, and agave has a much higher glycemic index than light corn syrup. And you're only making this once, maybe twice in the summer. This isn't going to kill you. You know how people can be. Two tablespoons of lime juice. So you're going to mash the watermelon until it's smooth and add the corn syrup and the lime juice and stir it up well, cover it and freeze it for about two to three hours until it's almost firm. Then you beat it with a wooden spoon again until it's firm and then freeze it up again. And then you can either take it away or bring it outside. You're going to spoon this into short glasses or tin cups. Add a jigger of tequila if you want an extra kick for each serving. And that's really good. Now, somebody else suggested that it might be good to put jalapeno juice in it. That, I think, really and truly, uh, along with the watermelon and the lime, um, you could do a little jalapeno juice. Or I suppose you could mash up a jalapeno, but I'm not sure if I'm trying to cool off. I'm not sure that I want to get that hot. You know what I mean? No. But it's up to you. You can put anything you want into it. But that's the recipe right straight from the corrals outside of Ontario, Oregon, when we were gathering cattle. It was a that whole lot of fun. Really good. I, love I never forgot how good that water. I do, too. I, I, I do, too. And so that made a really good Really good hey, thing. Now, I did post that on. Did you yeah. post it? Where where can people see it? It's on the website of the cowgirl in the kitchen. Okay. And I'm going to be putting up another one, uh, a good summertime drink. It's a lavender blossom cocktail. Mm. It's uh, basically gin and lavender, <laughs> lavender simple <laughs> syrup with ginger ale. <laughs> Because I love lavender. In fact, today I'm making lavender blueberry jam. Oh, Ooh, that sounds, that sounds delicious. How about that? That's going to be Christmas. Christmas. I know. I was thinking yeah, when so the, I'll put these things up. I was thinking when the kids are bad, Tara, you could just get, put that jigger of tequila and <laughs> watermelon. Yeah, there you go. I have, I have the watermelon. <laughs> Yeah, we went to the lake last weekend, and we bought a watermelon, and we didn't eat it, and so it's sitting in my fridge, so I know exactly what I'll be doing. I know Tara's tequila hiding somewhere in that house. (laughs) I got real quiet real fast. Yeah, it's New Mexico. that would be a good thing. I think it's required. Yeah. Yeah. I think they can raid your house, and if you have tequila, they can evict you uh, in New Mexico. (laughs) Yeah, right. that's very possible. <laughs> Got to be careful. I you don't it, tell yeah. them that there's anything in it. You just say, "Here, here's a little yeah. something that'll awesome. cool you off," and they get <laughs> then then they take naps. Yeah, that's right, <laughs> yeah. and that's good. How yeah. old are your boys, Tara? I don't remember. Five, three, and Vivian is almost one. So, well, you maybe not want to do the one year old, but the smoke. five and the three, you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, I don't know. Vivian's teething. Right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's true. You know, you all well, give them Benadryl to put them to sleep. It's the same thing, right? Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the plan, Jill. Trevor, Trevor said he wanted ten, so we could have our own team. 
And then, of course, there, we've got our we've got go. our own branding crew now. And then, but uh, I don't That's I don't right. think we're going to go for yeah. ten. <laughs> oh, please stop! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you Agreed. can. You know, yeah. That I way you'll in, you'll enjoy them a lot. Mine finally did all grow up, and now I've got grandsons, and it's just. <clears throat> that's, that's the best part, you know, when they're grown up and they can talk to you. But, boy, I'll tell you, it seems like forever when they're under, say, eight years old. It just seems like, <laughs> excuse me, like that. Well, uh, let me. <laughs> I let admire. Me, but they're out there on the ranch. Let me tell you about something. It's the watermelon core and slicer, the original iGenetti server by iGenetti. <laughs> you can find it on Amazon for $9.95. This thing is a miracle worker. It's perfect for slicing all watermelons. It takes the cutting time in half. It takes the hospital bills in about 100% off. You don't have to pay $1,300 go to hospital. It's perfect yeah. gift for any occasion. It's dishwasher safe. It's 100% stainless steel. And for a mere $3.39, three easy payments of $3.39, you too can have the iGenetti watermelon core and slicer. You cut that baby in half. You just set it on its side. And you take this watermelon core and slicer. And you go zip, 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 zip. You pull it out. You slice it up. And you're done. No mess. No fuss. No fingers in your water watermelon no blood anywhere <laughs> it's perfect for 9.95 available on amazon today and you know what i've got i've got amazon prime i'm all over and it's, it oh I am yeah it's available on amazon one click prime. ordering one yes. click ordering yeah. it's available i'm telling you this thing really right. doesn't work it's terrific it really I, is i could tell I you you posted pictures and i was impressed <laughs> yeah <laughs> It's terrific. I really do like it. And I'm not making any you money and I, selling And this. I just chuckled because, <laughs> yeah. Oh. I'm not making any money at all on this. I'm just saying. It's not a sponsored ad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They should give you a kickback. I, I think they should. No, Tara, I find that there are a lot of people who get very upset when they see something like light corn syrup. And I have to remind them, well, how often do you use light corn syrup? You know, I mean, is it every day? Well, then, yes, I think I would worry about you. But if you're just making this recipe, I've got a bottle. It's got to be two or three years old. I mean, seriously, I can't remember when I bought it. My mom. Yeah, I know, it never they, goes bad. When my mom and died. And that might be why we're supposed to worry about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When my mom died, I think she had a bottle that was like 50 years old. I, think it was, I know. It's the one little tiny right, bottle that never you goes buy bad. forever. Yes. Yeah. That's well, right. Jill, we have to mic. run. There are a lot of things in my pantry. <laughs> we okay. have to go. Thank Gee, you so much fun. for joining I us love again. listening to Kathy. Love talking to the two of you. I'll be on deck for next month. Meanwhile, have a wonderful day. You know, ride hard. Okay? All right. And okay. be sure to look up Thank Cowgirl in the Kitchen and uh, get her books as well. So you can Google that. You'll, you'll find it. Also on, also on Amazon.com. So and it's a twofer. You can get the watermelon cooler and slicer and the book for a mere twenty nine ninety five. Holy cow! Yeah, that's, right. that's an awfully good idea. Oh my <laughs> god! Lynn, I think possibly you've missed your real calling. Uh, I know. I should be an infomercial <laughs> dude. All right. Thanks, would, Ka- thanks, Jill. Yes, I think so. Thanks. Right, thanks both ya. of you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. That's like the at the bottom. It says, you know, those who purchase this also bought this. Yes. 
That's, That's right. like the grouping at the bottom That's right. there. That's right. And yeah. use our, by the way, we do have an Amazon link on our homepage on our face or on our website. And if you use that, we get a tiny little cut of uh, about 12 cents. So if you go over and use that, we'd appreciate it. It's a free way to support the Horse Radio Network. Well, we're going to take a break for our song. I have a, a little song from Lexi Larson called Till You've Loved a Cowboy. And I figured that was appropriate for you, Tara. And hey, hey. we're going to hear from Dr. Roses first, but then we're coming back with uh with the founders of cowboy dressage we haven't had them on in forever so i'm glad you got them we'll be right back Dr. Rose's Remedies Skin Treatment Salve and Spray are 100% all-natural products. They are anti-inflammatory, antibacterial, antiviral, and antifungal. Dr. Rose's are made with all human-grade ingredients and are safe and effective for treatment for all manner of cuts and scrapes on your horse. And Dr. Rose's is the must-have product here at the Horse Radio Network headquarters to keep PT Scooter's delicate white pasterns free from dew poisoning and scratches. Ask for Dr. Rose's at your local tax store or feed supplier or visit them online at drrosesremedies.com that's drrosesremedies.com
that's Lexi Larson. Till you love the cowboy, you can find all of her music at LexiLarson.com. You're listening to the Western episode of Horses in the Morning. Tara Carter here with me, and we got Coach Jen in the producer chair as well. Tara, <laughs> what do you guys got going on on the farm? Anything coming up? Uh, we've got some folks coming in this coming weekend. Uh, we, Trevor does a, a series of clinics throughout the year and a program that supports uh, rescue organizations throughout the U.S. And so this one is coming up this weekend is going to be for those who are coming in for riding. So for helping horses uh, that have some riding challenges. So we've got that this weekend. And then you asked me earlier this morning if we had anything exciting going on. And it's kind of downtime. We're getting ready for shows. But we actually took our boys to their first horse show last week oh, or two, I guess, really? two weeks they ago. Have not been to one before? Uh, yeah, no, they haven't. I mean, for their horse show. So oh, they rode their they horses in the show. And ah. yeah, so it was a lot of fun. They did trail and uh, pleasure and horsemanship. And it was lead line, but. It was a big deal. So they did a great job. And was it, how did it feel as a mom watching that for the first time? It was really cool. It was, you know, I didn't, I never realized that this, when I showed when I was little, I never realized this would be my profession. Mm -hmm. And so it was definitely, I had, I was way more calm about it than I thought I would be because we do it all the time now. Right. So it was, I actually was present, if that makes any sense, like present enough to take pictures and smile and have fun and <laughs> oh, good for you and how they do they did great yeah they did great everybody in that class all gets a blue ribbon so uh now, the only use... the only the only thing was they forgot to back up in their horsemanship so oh. i told i reminded trevor that you know he has to learn the pattern too <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> that's funny so do you uh do they use their own horses do they each have their own or do they use ranch horses what do they use Yes, they, they have their own. So we have, you know, the William has a horse named Blaze. Like, have you ever heard the books at William and Blaze? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, or Billy and Blaze, sorry. So we call it William and Blaze. Anyway, so he has a little horse named Blaze, and she's a pony, but uh, she's kind of a hackney, really? I think, partly. Uh-huh. Yeah. So anyway, when we were talking about that, and then, uh, but he now rides Trevor's Does she have road, the the horse. She, I don't know. You'll have to look and see. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty uh, uneducated on this pony business. I, I swore up and down we would not get ponies, but we did. And uh, anyway, they, we got two really great ponies. But now, tr now William is riding Sailor, which was Trevor's Road to the Horse horse. So well, now there's a lucky really kid. Cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's really cool. So yeah. it's that was probably the highlight. But oh. anyway. So yeah, and it it made me uh, it made me think of lead line because Cowboy Dressage actually has a lead line and they're introducing some of the some ground classes as well. So I just wanted to I thought well that would that reminded me of some of the neat things that Cowboy Dressage is doing. And so when it came time to get a guest, I thought oh it would be wonderful if Aton or any of the partners would be willing to come on. So uh, Aton, are are you with us this morning? Good morning. Yeah, I'm uh, hearing everything about the Hackney ponies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Eitan, I, I appreciate you joining us this morning. I just thought it would be a great opportunity to visit about about some of the Western disciplines that are available and for folks to try, and especially cowboy dressage, because you have a really special message about uh, you know horses and developing a partnership with your horse and also testing what, what you know. So, um, when did you guys first officially launch Cowboy Dressage? Well, I think that uh, Cowboy Dressage 
in a, in a diapers was not really a competition. It was more about uh, exhibition. Uh, I I did a lot of uh, try to educate people who wanted to ride ride with music or ride for music, and then they find out that uh, music is really a good thing. But you need to figure out that there are things that uh, basic foundation of a dressage can help you to to really get a better a better horse a western horse that can do the job i started it uh, really back in a, in the early 90s 1992 93 and then only 5 years ago it uh, became a competition because uh, we figured that probably the the best way to educate people is through give them something to do uh, at home and maybe uh, in in a public eye. In other words, writing uh, test on a on a massage court can bring them into uh, building a better relationship with the horse, and the result will be a better Western horse and a better Western rider. So I don't know if I answered the question when it started, but uh, really it started a long time ago, but just took the the competition aspect of it uh, only five years ago. Okay. And you, you said something about when you ride in the court, and we were talking about this earlier today, that there's arenas and there's pens and there's courts. And so we were saying that most people say it's a dressage arena, but actually the term court, developed from, and I saw you give this talk at a, an expo one time about where the origination of the court came from. Can you tell Correct. us a little bit? You know, the, the dressage court go back to the 1800. And uh, I remember the first time I, I was watching somebody ride at the dressage court, I, I kind of got confused a little bit because uh, the, the markers on a court did not really match the the exercise that they tried to accomplish. In other words, uh, you know the 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 markers are set up in a distance of a, a eight and and twelve and fourteen in between them, and then they try to ride a twenty meter circle uh, in reference to the markers. And uh, so, when we finally decide that we're going kind of steal something out of the dressage world that will be the arena, we kind of figured out it's a, it's a chance to do some changes that can really fit the, the Western horse more than the dressage horse. So we changed a lot of things, and when we changed it, we changed the name. We didn't call it arena anymore. We called it a court. And... Uh, we don't call it a dressage court. We call it a cabo dressage court. Uh, we change a lot of things uh, in reference to make it easier for for the rider to to really navigate inside the court. And what we believe is really uh, riding the test will train your horse rather than drill your horse to ride the test. Most of the things that you see on our court are really help 
the Western horse to get better with what he's doing, because as we all know, you know, we don't have a big horses like the warm blood that need to cover a lot of ground or they have that big stride that uh, they're all looking for and they kind of try to encourage the horse to be more athletic as far as impulsion and propulsion and engagement and all those things that the, the, really the cowboy took out of the Western horse because they felt that they want to course the desert with something more comfortable than bounce on him by <laughs> having a lot of a lot of motion out there. So as you as you know, and if you don't know, I can tell you that uh, uh, the canter that the English discipline are so proud of, uh, it's really not a canter for us. It's a lope, and a trot is not a trot. It's a jog, and it's both those gates are a result really of try to be a little bit more comfortable with the way we ride and uh, leave the bounce for some other people. Yeah. So that's kind of, in general, the changes that we made in a court. And another thing that uh, maybe it's a good opportunity to talk about it is that uh, the old tradition of dressage uh, stay where they really started. And uh, when we decided to... Uh, in addition to the cowboy lifestyle, we're going to add a little bit of a competition. We kind of uh, had the opportunity to do changes that otherwise, you know, take a lot of effort, money, time to make a change. So we build it up right from the beginning to something that can be really useful to the Western discipline. And and one of the things that you guys do with the with the challenge court now there's you can ride in a dressage court or the cowboy dressage court or you can ride in the cowboy dressage challenge court, and what was your idea behind adding in the challenge court? Okay, well a lot of people looking at challenge court like uh, it's kind of an obstacle, but it's really not. All of what we did we add ground poles that can really help you to navigate your way around as uh, as I know that you rode in a challenge court and we mark the 10 meter circle and the 20 meter circle with ground poles that can help you define the circle and you it's a lot easier to to find your way around because you always got a full reference point to make the the circle round one of the reasons we choose the ground pole is that uh, in all days, Western horses, especially the one on the rail, I don't know if you guys ever did that because I did. I show Western uh, <laughs> pleasure. We always look for horses who do not pick up their feet, and we call that they they really not wasting energy, if I remember the definition of uh, horses who leave two trucks behind because they never picked up their feet up. And the result was that we have a lot of horses that uh, turn to be not sound. Uh, nothing wrong with uh, learn to pick up the feet because I believe that horse cannot move if he wouldn't leave the ground. 
So the ground pole that we put there was not really about making a trail class out of it, but it's just to give that Western horse just a little bit lift that can make them a little bit more eager eager to go. And uh, we, sure, we sure hit the nail right on the head there because uh, it's make the horse not just more willing to move, but it's uh, you have a horse that uh, gymnastic exercise are being applied to muscles and ligament and and everything else that need to be uh, developed to make him a better moving horse. So the challenge is uh, give you a little bit more refinement to create a better movement on a Western horse. That's something I definitely experienced when we rode the cowboy dressage tests there with you is that one of the things, you know, when you ride a dressage in a dressage arena, that it is part of the thing that you can score well on or not score well on. And it's, it's simple, but not easy is to ride a really nice 10 meter circle or a 20 meter circle. And I can certainly appreciate how the, the poles, the ground poles that you lay out in the challenge court, make it really clear where the 10 meter circles are, where the 20 meter circles are. But then once you took those away, you you had a really clear picture just because of the way you trained and certainly the way that the horse and riding the test actually trains your horse. I, I can't think of a time that I have not ridden because of the way you design the tests. I can't think of a time that I have not ridden a horse that goes through a test and does not blow out with relaxation during the test. Um, and so that's why we set up something at our place. Aton and I were talking about it. We set up a permanent cowboy dressage court and all the horses either use it as a warm up or a cool down because of the way the tests build and, and really gymnasticize the horse, but yet relax them mentally, emotionally. So it's really, it's really wonderful. And you guys, you even evaluate those types of things and score for those types of things in your competition, which is pretty unique, right? You know, you sound like you, you know what you're talking about. Where have you been all my life? <laughs> I need people like you to get on a radio and tell them how you ride it. That's really, that's really interesting because uh, you're not the first one that I hear that, uh, the, the comment, that the, especially the challenge court, make it easy for the rider to start looking into what's a, uh, you know, the such people calling collection. There are so many people who do not understand the concept of collection and that challenge code can help you to get there one day. And I'm not saying that you go in, in there and, and, and find yourself that they have a horse that, uh, get up in the front and lower the back and, and get a little bit more animated in the back with, to me, the collection is the ability to short the frame of the horse so you can do a lot of transition because, as you know, that every test that we have on Cabo Dressage probably have at least 20 different transitions in a five-minute period. That's a lot of transition. And when I'm saying transition, you change gates from the walk to the jog to the jog to the lope, or you change frame, frame. Framing that you can ride the horse collected or short, or you can ride him in a medium frame that we call the working frame, 
or you can go to a free frame, which is a more relaxing frame. That's something that uh, we all ride on a trail, you know, when we having just uh, throw the rain down, let them stretch, let their stride get longer, and so on and so on. Now, a lot of people wondering why we making so many circles. What's the what's the whole concept of a ten meter circle can help you do? And they don't realize that by riding a circle, you short one side of the horse. Every time you make a left bend, the left side of the horse becomes shorter. The outside need to be stretched. And very hard to do that on a straight line. A lot of people try to to collect a horse on a straight line. It's almost impossible because you're going right the head. You're not going right the back in. So that's really the cord and the test are really designed to make you create a feel, create a partnership between two, the horse and the rider, to get to a to achieve a better a better end to the team. So that's and the challenge you, called. <laughs> and I. One of the things that when people, they start out, they think, oh, I'm not going to do the challenge court because it's the challenge court. But I often encourage people to start there because it does give you such a roadmap. But one of the things that I, I wanted to ask you about was when you talk about this, when you score people, when they ride a test, you have some variables. I mean, everyone's used to, okay, at, at A, you do this and you get you get a mark of score, you know, one through 10 and what they mean. But at the bottom of y'all's score sheet, you have somewhere in there that you factor in the relationship with the horse or what you guys, and I know you probably don't, it's not synonymous relationship and soft feel, but you have a, a scoring area for soft feel. And what does that mean for you guys? Well, you know, when, when you say the, the when we say soft feel, I'm not really sure that we we fully understand what soft feel mean. As you know, soft feel came from uh, uh, the Dorrances and then Ray Hunt, and and I'm not sure exactly what the translation of the soft feel mean. I tell you what it's mean to me. It mean to me that uh, when I look at a horse and a rider and they are in harmony and you can see that they understand one another, their communication skill is almost like all you got to do is think about it, and here's the result. To me, soft feel is so different from one day to another. What is mm. soft today, not necessarily soft tomorrow. Uh, what's uh, soft on, on that particular horse is not soft feel on the other one. So I think that we have the obligation to look at soft feel as something that uh, we're looking to achieve it. And when it's come, you know it's there. Uh, each one of us, I bet, going have a different way to to explain what he feel when he get the feel. It's almost like, you know, very hard to explain feeling. Uh, you know, there is a lot of things that I can put words and say, okay, that's what it is. But uh, when you start talking about feeling, uh, it's a little bit more difficult. But recognize the term and the definition of what it's supposed to be. And we awarding a rider that seems to me that have that connection with the horse, he can triple his score. In other words, if he get a nine, nine points out of 10, because he show 
harmony, partnership, uh, kindness, whatever it is, he can get 27 points in addition to his score. And that's probably the only discipline in the world that you can get score on being nice. Yes, exactly. That's that's one of the things that's really neat, and that that you get you get credited for those things, and and it takes a lot to train your judges to be able to see that. You know, it's one thing to be able to see a maneuver, but then for a you know correctly performed at a certain point, but for a judge to see that the, a, a rider has soft feel, and that whereas a young horse, yeah. for example, in an arena might have a hard time. But the way the rider handles it, you you give credit you give credit for those types of things. See, to me, uh, that soft feel can make you or kills you. In other words, what it means, you can come with the best horse in the world, okay, and do all everything perfect, but you don't have soft feel, and you'll come that little the little hackney pony, okay, <laughs> and whoever ride him. Okay, has a beautiful way to communicate with the horse, and he can get sure ball. So at the end of the end of the day, it's really not about the score. To me, it's everything. It's about the try, the try of the horse, the try of the rider. I always say that cabotage is really not about the score; it's about the lifestyle, and the lifestyle is exactly what we're talking about. We're talking about soft feel. We're talking about partnership. We're talking about being nice. If you look at our rule book, I don't know if you, uh, it's grew up a little bit. I think there are more pages <laughs> now than what, it. but when we started, it was one page and you open the rule book and you just say, be nice. And that was it. <laughs> we don't have people who policing yourself all over the place. There is no somebody who check the bit for you. And, and it, it, it's really that we helping one another, okay, to be better. And uh, I think that's what the discipline is all about. So if uh, I, you probably heard it before that uh, if, my, if the dressage is my discipline, the, the cowboy is my freedom to ride it kind of thing. Yeah. And so, so I think that we add the right thing to really come up with a concept that uh, Western people and the Western world is looking for for many, many, many years now. And we finally came up with it. And it's not that we are the, the pioneer of, uh, of adding dressage to the, to the Western discipline, but at least we brought it to light and we brought it up and now it's available to anybody who wants to take a, a, a dip into it or taste of it. Uh, we are here to help. And we are so much more about the education part of the discipline than really the the competition part. Uh, as you know, that if you go to one of our of our show, there is a like in a gathering. We don't even call it whole shows; we call it gathering. Uh, you come to the gathering of the final that we have. Uh, it's a five days, two days of it is just strictly clinic and education. So. And I think that we are into something that uh, will make will make that Western world a better place to be. Yeah, I think I think it's a really nice blend of of the concepts that that test your horsemanship, that test you and your horsemanship, but also test you and your partnership with your horse. 
And if someone wanted Correct. to join to learn more about Cowboy Dressage or or join, you guys have a very unique membership opportunity. You you do a membership with a handshake. Where would someone go to find out about that? Well, all got to do is uh, go to our website, which is kabudosage.com uh, or kabudosagewall.com. And uh, all the information is right there. And uh, if uh, you still have a question, they can call you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Tara can handle it. <laughs> you, you know, one of the things yeah. I, I wanted to mention before you left, and if 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 people have not listened to this, they should. Uh, you were a guest also on one of the roundtables that we did on the Horsemanship Radio Show back in March of 2014. So it was a while ago. Episode 11 of the Horsemanship Radio Show. You can find it at horseradionetwork.com. You were on with Monty Roberts, Richard Winters, Dr. Robert Miller, and Tom Spaulding. And uh, it was one of the, you know, we've done a lot of shows, almost 6,400 now. It was one of my favorite shows to listen to, you guys all just talking together. Uh, and that's still out there. People can go listen to that. Boy, I, I forgot all about it. It's yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It was maybe, fun. Maybe I should go and check. Yeah. 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 Go, like go listen, listen to what you said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a great time. You know, there's a good group right there and it was, uh, it was fun to listen to it. Yeah. So well, thank you very Aton, much. Aton, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, if anyone's interested in Cowboy Dressage, cowboydressage.com or cowboydressageworld.com and, I uh, can learn about their membership with a handshake and maybe find a, a place near you that is offering some opportunities to learn more about cowboy dressage and ride the court or ride the challenge court. And it's certainly, uh, you're certainly seeing a lot of influence in cowboy dressage all over the world, not just, not just here in the U S so. Great. Great. Very good. And, uh, happy trail and happy Hackney days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> what was the thing about the hackneys? <laughs> oh, she owns one and I own one. We both have hackney ponies. So uh, that's You're kidding why. Me. Yeah, we both. I drive mine I and should... she, her son rides hers. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, all right. Yeah, we're the only those, two. Those in the guys country. have a lot of motion. Yeah, a little oh, yeah. bit. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye bye. Okay, bye bye. Although mine doesn't have much motion, actually. He's, uh, he doesn't have the motion. Now, I owned uh, my first Hackney Pony years and years ago uh, was the Ohio State Champ. I did, we didn't know this when we bought him. We bought him at an auction. <laughs> he was the Ohio State Champ Roadster Pony. Oh. Uh, there was some action. <laughs> we, I always yeah. said, I always said my other pony was this big fat pony that was like driving a station wagon. The Hackney That's was funny. like driving a Ferrari. <laughs> it was just well, crazy. the. Crazy. This this pony, I'm not sure is Hackney, but like nobody really knows. But some people who are familiar with Hackneys have said, I bet there's some Hackney in there. And when I showed you the picture of her, you said, yep. oh, she probably does. Yep. But what's funny is when we go out to help other people work their cows at their place, there's other kids there and they're on bigger horses. And when we're talking to their parents, I say, yeah, well, you know, we wanted them to come and be able to day work with us, but we wanted them to be able to keep up. And so they see William on this little pony, right? And then they take off trotting across the pasture, and she goes, and she keeps up with the big horses. So it's it's funny. They look at it thinking, oh, here comes this kid on this pony. We're going to have to wait on him all day, and she out. They, she outclips them all. So, be, yeah. When I, you know, the thing about hackneys, and I get this comment all the time about Scooter because we post a lot of pictures of Scooter, is that they look like little horses. They don't look like ponies. 
And I think when I looked right. at yours, it was like, okay, that looks like a little horse. It doesn't look like yes. a pony because ponies have yeah. a look, right? I mean, Shelt- <laughs> Shetland ponies and all of them, they have a look. But, the, mm-hmm. you know, if you see a picture of Scooter and don't see him in reference to size, you think he's a little horse. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, and they have that, that uh, the facial expressions of the body of a little horse. And I think that's why they can move along, right? <laughs> Keep yeah. up. Yeah. Uh, Jennifer wouldn't go in the cart with me after we almost wrecked the one day with my with that other pack. <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> but, you know, part of that is their training. They train them to be crazy. And I don't agree with that at all. I don't agree with the way yeah. they train them. And, you know, this pony, it was six months till you could walk by his stall and he, would, he wouldn't plaster himself against the back wall. And, you know, we got him to the point where he didn't do that anymore. But, boy, when you drove him, he remembered the old days. <laughs> uh, I know this stuff comes back. <laughs> well, Tara, I can't believe it's the end of the show already. I know it happens fast. Now, are Time you flies. stuck at the hotel now while he's no, off? no, okay, no, <laughs> no. I've I've got a way, and if I didn't have a way, I would certainly Uber. So, okay. <laughs> do they have those in Texas? Yeah, okay. they do. All right, just Certain check places. Yes. I wasn't sure. Uh, by the way, we have a we a uh, couple things here. We're going to be doing a, an RV tour of Texas. We're flying in the third week of September. Jennifer and I are renting an RV. We're going to go to Extreme Mustang Makeover. Mary's competing at that in Fort Worth the first weekend we're there and then we're heading down to Austin to visit uh, some listeners down there that drive carriages we're going to do that and we're heading over to Sammy Joe's place who has the zebras she has the trained zebras and does movies and stuff so we're going to go visit exotic animals and we're just making the rounds of, of Texas now I didn't tell you this earlier but if if there's a hurricane coming in we're not driving the the RV in eastern Texas if it's going to hit. So we're coming to, at that point, we're heading out to you in New Mexico. So look for company if there's a hurricane. Okay. okay. We'll leave the light on. All right, good. Do that. <laughs> 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 we don't take up much room. We'll have an RV. We just need a plug. Yeah. We need electric. We have, an RV, we have RV spots. Yeah. Oh, do you? Perfect. We do. Perfect. Uh-huh. Even water and everything. Maybe we'll just come to your place for the week and not have to travel so much. Yeah, and the horse trough's right across the fence, so if you need to take a bath... <laughs> there, it's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> but, I gar- but Jennifer could probably ride, right? You could probably guarantee her a ride for an entire day around the farm. Yes, yeah. absolutely. I could ride out the pony. Yeah. <laughs> you could, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you, Tara. What's your website? Where can everybody find you guys? Oh, we're at carterranchhorse.com. And of course, we have 14 different shows on the Horse Radio Network. Go to horseradionetwork.com. The simplest, easiest way to listen to this show or any of the other shows, even the live version of this show, is on our app. Search for Horse Radio Network in the iOS or Android app store, and it's free, it's easy, it's the simplest way to listen. Or on any podcast player, we're there on all of them, Horses in the Morning or Horse Radio Network. What a lot of people don't realize is we have a feed that actually goes out, a podcast feed that goes out for for the Horse Radio Network. You can search for Horse Radio Network in your podcast player, and that's every episode of every show we put out. So if you listen to multiple shows, probably your easiest way to do that is to go to Horse Radio Network. Now, count on there being about 80 a month, because that's what we produce. <laughs> so there's a lot coming into that feed. You just delete the ones you don't want, but there is a lot in that feed for sure. Tara, once again, thank you so much, and it's uh, good to have you again. Yeah, thank you, Glenn. Thank you, Jennifer. Jamie and I will be back tomorrow morning. We have the announcement about the equestrian talent competition that we're doing. Uh, Equestrian's Got Talent. And uh, Tara, I'll let you know so you can submit your poem. Okay. I'm going to start working on it. All right. Take care. (laughs) See you, everybody.